wonderful son. Father God, he has just invested so much into our lives for decades, Lord, for decades. And we know that you're pleased with him. So, Lord, today we just pray for a release of your spirit, ease of the spirit, freeness of the spirit, that we can hear your voice through his voice. And we just want to bless you and honor you, Brian, for what you've done for all of our lives. Brian has done so much for our lives. Haven't we been impacted by his life? For um, centuries, I was going to say, then for decades. (laughs) For decades. So we bless you, Brian. We love you. We do. We love you. Amen. Actually, it does feel like centuries. <laughs> Particularly when the, uh, the children tell me what age they think I am. I won't say what they've said before, but if I told my mum, she'd be shocked. So, it's good to see you, everyone. Good morning. Bless you. Hope you're all open to hear from the Word of God today. We are in... Nehemiah. Kelly uh, launched it last week and one of the things I picked up on uh, what she said last week was, I wish I could really get into it because Brian's going to have it next week. Well, actually, I haven't got it this week. It's more foundational stuff. We haven't got to the meaty bit yet, so I think Debo and Eugene, they're going to sort of tackle the the so-called meaty bits. But Nehemiah is really about uh, a man who was a king's cupbearer, so he he would drink before the king drank, just to make sure that everything was okay. So if there was poison in it, then he'd die and the king would be fine, which is charming, isn't it? Um, and he he worked in the king's house, but you'll see later on that he had the king's favour as well. And um, it's all about restoring what God had done in his city. And I liken what we're going to read here, and a lot of commentary has been given on this passage. I liken it to our lives, um, building what God wants to do in our lives. So uh, we've heard reference, like Kelly referred to building a house. Uh, This is about building a wall in Jerusalem. And it is the same as either building God's kingdom, that's always a key thing, building up what God wants to do amongst us corporately, but also building up our lives individually. And, you know, if we're open and honest, there are always walls that need to be torn down in our lives, but there's also things that God wants to build up, and we're obviously focusing on what he wants to build up. And in, um, in, in 1 Peter, he he made reference to us being living stones, and we all, which means that every single one of us have a calling and a purpose in the body of Christ. Not just where you are locally, but wherever you are worldwide, because we're in it together. That's how Jesus wants it. He could have done it all himself, but we're all in it together. And the second thing is, whatever we build on, there has to be a solid foundation, and we know we know that the solid foundation is Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. So we need to be, as we build and as we grow together, 
our roots need to go deeper and deeper into the Lord. That is our understanding. That's the revelation we get. And that is not just about Jesus or who Jesus is, but about us and who we are and where we fit into his plan. So I've uh, titled this preach, Laying the Foundations for Building the Lord's House. Because we're not quite at the building stage yet, so we've got to have foundations. And there's just a few things that I want to pick up from this passage, foundational things, which when we're doing something new, which is what God is doing amongst us, we have a new pastor, um, we're getting fresh vision, and we want to run with whatever God gives us, foundational things have to be in place. If they're not in place, then it crumbles. Uh, I'll give you a, before I read the passage, I'll give you a quick example. Um, It's a funny example. Actually, it's a weird example, but I'll give it anyway. Um, When we moved into our house uh, 25 years ago, uh, one of the reasons we bought the house was because of the vision God had given us. Um, And that was for a house to be open to people, whether they were homeless or others, like a refuge. And we bought our house because of this massive basement, which was was going to be very useful for loads of different things, for youth, and, and we've, we've, we've got a, a lodger in there at the moment, wonderful lodger at the moment. And, um, but that basement was not fit for purpose. It was um, damp, very damp. And uh, I made the mistake of I had these industrial shoes, which I was given by BT, who I used to work for, and they were very strong and very sturdy and uh, because of the type of work I did, but I left them in the basement. And what happened was damp seeped into it, and I didn't know that. On the outside, it actually looked really strong. And anyway, while I was at work, Verena called me to say someone had come over to the house and asked whether I could borrow some strong shoes. So she went downstairs, and she found these shoes. and said, oh, um, I've spoken to Brian, and you can have them. So he took the shoes, and he just said, oh, I'll wear them home. He put them on and started walking up the street. As he walked up the street, they crumbled. <laughs> they literally crumbled. He was just sort of walking like that, and they crumbled because they had no foundation. And we want to be a people who have found a strong foundation where God can launch us into the things that he wants us to do. Amen? Amen. So let's just read the passage. I'm reading from the... Um, Bible. <laughs> Um, so we're in Nehemiah chapter 2 reading from verses 1 to 10 so it's a small small reading today but there's a lot that we're going to get out of it Um, so in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes when the wine was before him I took up the wine and gave it to the king Now, I had not been sad before in his presence. So the king said to me, Why do you look sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Then I was much afraid. I'll explain why he was much afraid later on. And said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lies waste? and its fortified gates are consumed by fire. The king said to me, For what do you ask? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to him, 
If it pleases a king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you will send me to Judah, to the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may rebuild it. The king beside me, whom the, the, the king beside whom the queen was sitting, asked me, "How long will your journey take, and when will you return?" So it pleased him to send me, and I sent, set him a time. Also, I said to the king, "If it pleases the king, let the letters be given me." For the governors beyond the Euphrates River, that they may let me pass through to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest or park, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the city wall and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. And the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard this, it distressed them exceedingly that a man had come to inquire for and require the good and prosperity of the Israelites. So, a number of things. This, so this is the, the sort of, if you like, the start of Nehemiah's journey. And a number of things that I want to pick out, which could relate to our, our lives, everyday situations, are the things, good things that we could lay hold of that will kind of lay our foundation for us to, to move on and, and do the type of things that God wants us to do, whatever it is whether it relates to our lives here in the church, whether it relates to family, uh, neighborhood, and that sort of thing. So the first thing, they're not in any sort of order of importance, but the first thing is we have to lay hold of what concerns God. In other words, we need to get God's burden for an area, for a city, whatever. And, and we are trying to... It's been mentioned before, we are trying to hear refresh what God's burden is for this neighborhood, where we are, where we meet here. And, uh, and we, we started and we will prayer walk for a while to try and get God's heart and to get a strategy. Because the first thing is, we need to connect with God. And I believe part of what Nehemiah did was that he connected with God. Now, the interesting thing is that in verse 1, it says, Now I had not been sad before in his presence. Okay? So what that means is that he was carrying this for a long time. And he, he hadn't revealed to the king what was going on in his heart. Or in other words, he probably, and I'm just speculating here, I'm not saying that it thus says the Lord, I'm just speculating that he was trying to put a brave face on for a little while, but he couldn't keep it up. If the Lord gives us a burden, it will come out eventually. If we've been carrying something, it will come out. However it comes out, it will come out because it's him working in us. It could, we, we could be looking at his passion working in us. But above all, he's, he's stirring us up, stirring our hearts up. And that's what we need the Lord to do because 
what can we do if we've got our own ideas and we're trying to work things out and put programs together? We need, we need the Lord in us. We need that, whether it's a seed or whether something's been birthed, we need that in us uh, and that fire to, to fire us up so that we can go to the next step. Okay, so the first thing is, is, is again, foundational. It's, it's having a burden for the Lord. The second thing is you have to believe. You have to be a believer. How else can we do anything if you're, if you're not a believer? In verse 4, the king, the king said to me, for what do you ask? So I pray to the God of heaven. Simple. He turned to God. So if we have a burden, sometimes we don't know what it is. We just feel a stirring. What's going on? We pray. That's the third point, by the way. <laughs> we pray. We go to the Lord because we know that he has the words of eternal life. He has all the resources, all the gifts, everything that we could need to, to do what he wants us to do. So we have to believe. And Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter, well, chapter 6, verses 28 and 29, Jesus was, um, he was preaching and ministering to not so much his followers, but people. it was after people who had been fed and they were following him around. And Jesus made it clear that they were, f they were following him around because they wanted more food. So, in other words, they're a bit like me. I, I like food. <laughs> but they said to him, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus said to them, believe in the one whom he sent. So, to do whatever God wants us to do, foundational, we have to believe. Because if we don't believe, who are we working for? What are we doing? So, the second thing is believe. And he believed. He prayed to the God of heaven. So he had that burden. And, he really, and sometimes when we have a burden, you know, we share it with other people. It's always good where we share it and we have agreement. But also we take it back to the Lord because sometimes we may kind of hear him part and not understand it. And we just have to keep going back. And he's got a beautiful way of bringing clarity. Particularly the best way is if someone just comes up to you and just says, I feel the Lord is saying blah, 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 and it's just spot on. That's beautiful because he works like that. He doesn't share or release his plans without sharing it with his prophets, with his people. So it's a beautiful thing. And the third point, as I've said, is prayer. Prayer is so key. Every, I love reading about moves of God in different parts of the world and sometimes, wrongly, we focus on the results. It's good to hear the testimonies. It's good to hear what God is doing. But sometimes, we forget what is behind that. And quite often, there's been prayer and fasting. And as a church, we, we do have a burden to prayer, but we really need to step up because there's so many things that God wants to do there's so many things that he wants to share. There's so many things that he wants to release. And praying on our own is good. We have to do that. That's good because we need to cultivate our relationship with the Lord. But praying corporately or praying in a group 
were at least, there's two people, <laughs> at least two people, two or three, you know where I'm coming from. Prayer is so key. He recognized that. We recognize that, don't we, church? Good, a few of you do. That lady does. Because she, she, she has the prayer meetings in her house, so I would be very surprised if she wasn't enthusiastic. And, and it's good. But prayer is, is so key. It's foundational, isn't it? So there's a lot of things that we need to pray into. Like I say, we're, we're walking around. We're going to do it again in a couple of weeks, maybe. Maybe the week after. So get a date in your diary. week after uh, Big Church Day Out. And, and we just need to keep praying into whatever God is showing us. Because um, another testimony... Uh, personal testimony is that there have been situations where I've been praying into um, and then there was a time when I felt released and it could have been two, three, four, five, ten years later I found out why I was released particularly when I was praying for someone to, um, who I'd witnessed to an old friend who became a Christian and when he became a Christian it was around about the time that I felt released from prayer so prayer is key if you're not into prayer get into prayer Come along to our prayer meetings. Pray with people. Learn how to pray. Because one of the things the disciples said to Jesus was, teach us how to pray. And he did. And he, taught, he, he released and taught them that wonderful prayer that we all know, the Lord's Prayer. So prayer is key. The fourth thing is this. Be available. Why should we be available? Whatever situation we're in, ministry-wise or whether it's problem-related, God always wants us to be part of the solution. That's just the way he works. <laughs> That's just the way he works. He wants us to be part of the solution. And it's beautiful. There's no better thing. There's no greater testimony than saying that me and the Lord, us and the Lord, we worked together and we saw a victory, we saw, you know, a healing or whatever God was doing. So, we are part of, remember, we're all living stones. So, if you're a living stone, it means you're alive, doesn't it? I think. <laughs> it means you're alive. Normally, it means you're alive to Christ. And if you're alive to Christ, then he can work through you in whatever situation. And as a church together, we just need to, again, catch hold of the, the vision that God is releasing. And part of that vision is that we are all living stones. We all have a role to play in what God wants to do. Okay? So he made himself available. And he, he, he said in verse 5, I ask that you will send me to Judah, to the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may rebuild it. Okay? So his passion, his burden, and his desire took him away to do that work. The fifth thing is faith. And in this situation, faith was spelled R-I-S-K. Big risk. First of all, if you, in those days, and I'm going to the notes that I read um, relating to this, if you were sad 
in the king's presence, you could lose your head. He liked happy people around him. That's one of the reasons why kings used to have jesters. Jest, jesters. <laughs> people who made him happy and made him laugh. So if you were sad, remember this expression that we've heard in comedy shows, off with his head. You'd lose your head. Or you could lose your head. So that was a big risk. And by sharing his burden, what did he say? He said, uh, the king said to him, why do you look sad since you are not sick? And fortunately, the king picked up that it was sorrow. And I said to the king, why should I not be sad face when the city of the place of my father's sepulchres, that's the tombs and the birth, lies waste and its fortified gates are consumed? So he released why he was sad, all right? So that was dangerous, just being sad. The second reason was, we won't turn to it, but you can do it when you go home. In the previous book, uh, Ezra, in chapter 4, it actually said that an edict was given by the then king that the walls should not be built. So he's now come to this king knowing that there was an edict that there was a, a, a ruling that the wall wouldn't be built. And he says, I want to build a wall. Another risk. Okay? Brave man. Or a man who knows his God and knows what his God can do and is rooted in his God. We call it boldness, don't we? But that can only come you know, you can be kind of bold and stupid where your roots are somewhere else, but you can be bold when you're rooted in Christ and you're strong in faith and you know that he's spoken to you and you're holding on to his word, okay? So that was another risk that he took. And that's what faith is. It's taking risk. Because sometimes with faith... We actually, we go on a hunch, we're not 100% sure, and we kind of step out. And God blesses it. Sometimes we may get it slightly wrong, it's just that we're misunderstood. But again, God blesses that because he brings us back and sends us in the, on the right direction or on the right route. The final thing, or the final risk, was that he asked to leave and go. You don't, in those days... I mean, I don't know what it's like now in the royal family, whether, I mean, I know Harry and William, they go off to places. I saw Harry in Jamaica dancing once. I don't know what the royal family thought. Harry busting some moves in Jamaica on the beach. But you could not leave the king's presence, particularly if you were a cupbearer. If you were a barrier between keeping the, the, the king alive, but that was another risk. So there's like four areas of risk that he took because of what he believed in. So what, is, what do we need to risk? Where do we need to step out? Scary, isn't it? But it's good. It's good. It's a ride. Okay. And finally... 
this is where I'm going to wrap up. Short and sweet today. Well, actually, not quite finally. He mentioned in here, let's see. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given for me, for the governors beyond the Euphrates. The Euphrates. And the letter was sent. But also, looking back, it said uh, in verse 6, the king beside whom the queen was sitting asked, how long will your journey take? And when will you return? So the king released him. Okay, favor, favor. We're under grace, and we're under favor. Don't deserve it because of who we are, but we deserve it because of what he's done and what we've inherited. So he had favor. And why wouldn't God bless someone who basically risked their lives in four on four fronts, for, for the king and his kingdom, for his purposes. That's amazing. And he released favor. We need favor, don't we? We have grace, because that's why we're all sitting here, because we're saved by grace. So we've got that. That's a given, because of the cross, a symbol there. We have grace. Quite often we need favor in many areas. And that's where we really have to dig in deep and sometimes just go on on what you believe in, on what you know of God, what you understand about God, how he feels about certain things or what he wants for your life. So, as a church, and, uh, you know, when you get to heaven, you can talk to Nehemiah about all of this. He may say to you, Brian didn't quite get it right. This is what really happened. But he got some of it right, maybe. Get the foundations right. And then you can move on. And the reason being... It didn't say too much about this guy. In verse 10, Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, you hear about these guys later on. <coughs> Nasty pieces of work, I tell you. But you see, the foundations were in place. We will always face opposition to whatever we do, particularly whatever God is calling us to do. We know that, don't we? But if the foundations are in place, we're fine. As Jesus said, if you hear my words, you listen and obey, you're like someone who builds his house on a rock. Matthew chapter 7. If your house is built on the rock, you're not going to be shaken. Whatever is thrown against it is not going to be shaken. And we want to, as we move forward, we want to be those, those living stones that are rooted in the cornerstone. That's Jesus. When we uh, come across the, these guys later on, it's quite amusing to see what they were trying to do. And in the end, all they were doing were fighting against God. If you fight against God, you're going to lose. It's simple. If you don't know that, I'm just telling you now. <laughs> if you're going uh, to try and resist God, you lose. 
Yeah, it is. It's dangerous. But we are those who we want to get our foundation right as we move forward. And we want to press on, knowing that our roots are deep. And we still need to work on that. We still need to get our roots deep. Because things will come to shake us. It's going to be a ride. As someone said before, it would be a white knuckle ride. But if your roots are deep, the foundations are laid, we can move on. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you so much that we have you in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we've made that choice, not only to follow you, but to be available. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.